Uh, delighted to say that joining the show now ahead of the 2022 draft, the man whose team have two selections in the top 10 for you on TalkSport 2 Live. And uh, it feels like that means they're going to have quite the say uh, in this year's draft. Delighted to have Assistant General Manager of the New York Jets, Rex Hogan, joining us. Uh, Rex, we're speaking a week out from the draft. How are you feeling? Feeling really good. Uh, we've had a, a great offseason up to this point. In terms of our preparation, uh, we're able to let our college scouts get home for a few days uh, around the Easter weekend and get a couple of days off for them to kind of uh, refresh and re-energize. And, and then they'll return this weekend and we'll be uh, ready with meetings leading up to the draft. I'm kind of fascinated with that because the draft process, I think some people in this country think it almost starts the season ends, right, let's start focusing on the draft. But for you guys in the, in the front office, in the personnel department, they've been working around the clock since, what, last year, if not before. Absolutely. You know, for us in uh, player personnel, the, the player acquisition and talent acquisition really never ceases. Even uh, when you break from training camp in, or break from uh, the off-season camp in, in June 15th, where we, we typically get a defined vacation period, uh, you're never off because there's a daily waiver wire there that comes out and there's always guys who are who are street free agents and in addition to that our our college scouts once the draft is over they begin preparation on the next year's next year's draft class so it's almost never ending how much at this point a week out how much more refining can there be for you guys big board for for your you know, personal rankings and how much are you still having those debates those discussions even still gathering information yeah, we'll, we'll have discussions all the way up to the draft. So, we, you know, we, we get together on a, on a daily, ask, daily basis. Uh, we get together and, and discuss, you know, where we see guys and how they stack against each other in terms of a sequence from, from the top of the draft to the bottom of the draft and how we rank players and what their value is to us. So, you know, and then as soon as the, the draft starts, you know, the first player who's selected, that, that can change your, your whole process and your, or your whole mindset of, of how you want to attack the draft. How many of you are in the room at that point? How many of you have got a voice and, a, and are making noise for, you know, when you get to that point of four, who you're going to be taking? It, leading up to the draft, there's in the neighborhood of uh, 23 to 25 of us in the room at a time uh, from in the player personnel group. Uh, and then we'll also have some meetings with the coaches and, and with the coordinators, with the head coach. But the, the day of the draft, it's a, it's a smaller group, smaller number. Uh, we'll be in the, in the neighborhood of 15 people in the draft room itself. We talked about that process over the year. Just talk us through it a little bit, how you go from, say, a year ago when you know which players-ish, depending on early um, people coming out of college, et cetera, but you have an idea of who's going to be in this draft. That process, as someone who's run scouting departments, who's got to kind of the point you are now, just for anyone who's maybe a layman, explain how that process goes and just how much work goes into this. Sure, we, we actually go to uh, some NFL meetings uh, with the NFS, which is a combine. And uh, we go, go to meetings down in Florida for a week. And the, the scouting combine that we belong to, they go through advanced scouting reports of all the players who they see as, as either draftable or priority free agent type players leading into next year's draft class. So. That begins our process um, from that, it sets the areas. It, it gives our area scouts an idea of the players and the volume of players in each one of their areas. But how this, uh, you know, next, this past year and, and then the next, next year is gonna be a little bit different is been the challenges of what COVID has brought to guys getting an extra year of eligibility. So we're calling them super seniors or COVID seniors. 
So the, the typical draft class has in the neighborhood of 12,000 to 13,000 players, but this is, um, you know, it's grown to 18,000 players uh, in terms of this year's draft class. And, and so we, we expect there to be a, a slightly higher number of, of players next year too than a typical draft class because of the COVID challenges. Have you guys had any sleep? With that much tape torch, that many games to get through. A little bit. Do I have bags under my eyes? And call oh, on the there's no comment on you, Rex. I promise, by any stretch of the imagination, just you know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, we, we we sleep quickly around here. <laughs> um, how how have the uh, how's the evolution in the college game? For you guys over say the past three to five years certainly your time with the jets affect how you actually evaluate those players not just with everything happening with covid but when you see different trends happening in college and, and start to having to project how that's going to work through to the nfl yeah that's the the challenge and the beauty of scouting is you have to do a projection of each one of the players individually how they're going to project to your scheme whether it's offense or defense and the, the newest challenge has been the spread offense in, in college football and, and the number of plays and the volume of plays that they run in college with spread offenses and how they're they're going no huddle and they're just they're taking the ball and they're going and they're trying to run 100, 100 plus plays offensively each week. So it's been an adjustment for us because you're looking at a different scheme offensively and it's now the quarterbacks who are coming into the NFL are more familiar with that. So you've seen some of the, whether it's an RPO or spread scheme come into the NFL and teams are adapting that and implementing it to their offense. And that also presents defensive challenges. Well, that's it. On the other side of the ball, we're seeing college teams move towards, you know, more three down linemen, the way they use the off ball linebacker has changed entirely. And yeah, it's, that's what I struggle to kind of work out how you then look at that. Cause they're almost playing a different sport at times. It, exactly right. You know, People joke about it being basketball on grass or, you know, the seven on arrow, seven on seven tournaments and how it's how it's affecting, you know, college or high school, college and the NFL, uh, because everybody now you know, wants to spread you out and want to throw the ball, want to throw the ball vertically. So, you know, the biggest aspects of it are, are finding guys who can throw it, guys who can catch it. And not only that, you find guys on defense who affect the pass, whether or not it's rushing, hitting the quarterback or guys who can cover on the back end. For you, what are the biggest, considering you can't assess them as literal play-for-play, model-for-model necessarily, what for you are the biggest indicators of success in a player of making that transition? The things we focus on, you know, specifically we address and we grade are the, the personal character of the player, which is essentially their citizenship and their makeup. And next it would be the football character. You know, are, do these guys have the makeup as a person and as a player. And in terms of football character, it's how they go about their daily business uh, and within the building, how, how, they, how they prepare, how they practice, how they study, how they work out, how they train. So we grade those in each one of those different areas. And then finally, there's the on-field uh, performance that you, that you evaluate individually. So you do each one of those in a kind of a different silo, so to speak. And then ultimately you come with, with one grade uh, overall of, of how you see this player projecting what he's going to look like in two to three years. Are there ever times where you see a guy who's maybe got incredible traits physically is phenomenal, but you just either don't have a lot of information about that personal side, whether they were only a one year, two year starter, or whether they were maybe somebody who didn't have all those intangibles you talk about. Is there ever a point where the balance, it's just like a guy is so good physically that you have to think to yourself, right, can we mold them into that? 
Always. And, and that's the, the toughest challenge for us is finding that balance. Will it's, does this guy, is he going to work to his ceiling? So we always talk about what's their ceiling as a player and, and what's their floor. So if they have a high floor, that means that, that they are typically guys who are really high level personal character and football character or self-motivated or driven, have this growth mindset to be the best that they can be. Um, sometimes those guys don't have the highest ceiling in terms of level of talent and traits that other guys do. So that's, that's the toughest assessment for us is finding that guy who is hardwired to be the best that they can be and get the most out of their own ability. Cause you know, there's guys that, that look just to get to the NFL. Some guys focus on that. They want a, an NFL career and a sustainable career. And it's typically those guys who have the highest combination of character and talent who succeed. If I look at the draft since certainly you returned to the Jets and worked with Joe Douglas, outside of Zach Wilson, who, who didn't do a lot of the pre-draft testing for, for all the reasons that we're aware of, I see a lot of the guys you've taken in the first couple of rounds, all of them test just completely off the scale on that kind of relative athletic scores. They are just, all of them seem to be those absolutely physical specimens. So have you felt like you've struck that balance well over the last couple of years, that you've somehow managed to find people who absolutely hit both categories. Yeah, it's always a work in progress for us. But but yes, you know, we make adjustments and, and we go back and when we reflect and, and study and do our our self-awareness of what we've done in our assessments before uh, of guys. And we'll continue to try and improve our process, uh, whether whether it's spending more time with a guy individually and just finding out about him or whether or not the scout needs a, to go back on campus again and, and talk to more people to find out to get to the core of who they are. So, so yeah, it's a, it's an ongoing process, but we feel good about it. It's never going to be perfect, but, but we're constantly going to strive to, to find perfection in our process. Considering those self-assessments, how do you reflect on the 2021 draft a year out from it now? Feel really good about the group. You know, we, we added uh, four starters early in the draft or in the draft for their four, first four picks. Uh, it's a young, exciting, athletic, and fast group of, of players. And then in the back half of the draft, uh, we added guys who, who are going to continue to push and provide competition. Uh, and they're, they're pushing the guys who are starting level right now. And some of those guys are in a competition to start. So we feel really good about the, the class that we had this past year and, and look for bigger and brighter things from them. Just as a side note, I had a chance to speak with Michael Carter while we were at the uh, at Radio Row this year. Uh, running back Michael Carter rather than defensive back. Uh, the first one taken, not the second. Um, and yeah. really impressed with him as a young man. He, I mean, funny, uh, engaging, and just seemed to have his head really on. So, like, I was really, really impressed with it. at least what you had there from my very small experiences. No doubt. And what you see with it, with Michael is what you get on a daily basis not only on the field, but off the field. And, you know, from your experience interviewing him, that's what we get to see on a daily basis is that, uh, that live wire, that energetic, fun-loving guy who can't wait to, to show the world his talents. And, and most importantly, he's a phenomenal teammate in person and, and wants to be the best he can be. He's one of those guys that I've talked about who's, who's got a high ceiling as well as, as a high floor in terms of his makeup. I just want to ask about yourself and, and Joe Douglas and coming coming back in in 2019. It feels like your front office right now is very well respected, both in the fan base, kind of wider as well. People speak very highly of you, uh, and yet the results aren't yet there on the field. 
do you feel why do you feel like the respect levels are there already despite that and do you think those results are uh, forthcoming no i i think it's the way we go about our business in terms of our our business as scouts and our business and player personnel and the relationships that that we cultivate within the building with our coaching staff and with our scouts and i think you know that that kind of breeds itself on a daily basis for the culture of the building um, the next step for us is continue to add players who are going to make us successful on the field and we feel like we're going to continue to do that you know there's been a, a lot of attrition or turnover on on our roster since you know joe and i have been here of the 81 guys who are currently on our roster seven of them were here the day the day that we arrived so uh, who are still on the roster so it's a it's a big challenge in terms of turnover but we feel like we've got the team going in the right direction Will. And, and as part of that when you go through two years of building towards something and then the coaching changes and you guys are still there but essentially the whole direction of the team shifts focus how difficult is that for you, A, when you're just a few months away from a draft and you know you're suddenly having to do something maybe entirely different, but, you know, going from working with an entirely new team of people and having to shift that focus, whether it is, you know, a new scheme, a new design, a new style of play, you're having to look for to make that work. Yeah, it's a challenge. And uh, luckily, it was between myself and Joe, we were able to lean on, you know, previous experience being at teams where we had a a transition with a head coach or a transition with a, a general manager at that point of the season, you know, a few months out. So we were able to lean on those experiences. And, you know, a lot of credit goes to our coaching staff uh, being able to communicate and explain to us what they see in a profile of a player that they want at each position, whether it's offense or defense. And then a lot of credit goes to our, our coaching, our uh, scouting staff and being able to adapt their mindset and their philosophy of the scheme and the philosophy that we had seen previously from a previous coaching staff, because it's a quick change. It's a quick, it, you know, you're going on the move. One day you're you're playing basically a three-four defense. A new coach comes in, and, and all of a sudden you're four-three. So you have to adapt and adjust your mindset and what you're looking for. And our coaching staff and scouting staff did a tremendous job with that. And I think you'll continue to see the benefits of that 2021 adjustment we made. I guess you have to first assess what you've already got in the building and what works, what you have to move on from, and then go, right, okay, what else do we need? And that's a, it, it's a list, I imagine. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. You, you, know, you do a, an internal review first and foremost. What do we have on this roster that fits the transition that we're making? And from there, you make that assessment and make the decision of who you need to move on from and then how, who we need to go out and you know, acquire or obtain to fill those, those gaps on our roster. Lurex, we really appreciate your time. Last couple of, of, of ones from me here. Firstly, is just how much are Coach Salah and on the defensive side, Coach LaFleur, how much are they in your ears having those conversations with you, talking to you about guys that they like as well? Because, you know, once the season's over, I'm sure that they're there watching film and going, oh, that, you know, wide receiver out of wherever. I'm trying not to speak specifics to try and not catch you out <laughs> sure. or anything, but, you know, no, I'm good. sure that they will have their favourites going into the draft thinking I could do something special with them. Oh, absolutely. There's there's campaigning by everyone and from any <laughs> position coach to any coordinator to the head coach to our scouts, because our scouts, the guys who have all gone into schools, they all have their favorites, too, and guys that, that they push for. Um, but the one thing we always say is, hey, check your ego at the door uh, when you get in here in these 
draft meetings because they're no longer your guys, they're our guys. Uh, when we put the grade on them for the Jets and make the assessment of where they're going to, where we put them on the board and the value they have for us. And for you and for Joe, for this whole organization, when you take a, a quarterback at the start of that new regime as well, you know, famously people talk about the way you are tied to that one player, that one pick. So I asked how you're feeling about last year's draft, but very specific to Zach Wilson, his development over the last year and where he is right now. How are you feeling? Feel really good about, about Zach. Um, you know, the, the growth that he made last season, you know, I think you saw it um, after his injury and the time that he missed he was able to reset himself. And then we really saw it in the, the latter half of the season with the growth and the way he protected the ball, the way he threw the ball, the way he generated um, generated offense, both with his arm and with his legs. So feel really great about that, how the season ended for him and this off season and, and what he's done and how he's prepared, how he's gone out and, and thrown individually with his receivers throughout you know, the country, going to spend time with them and, and how he's showing leadership of getting those guys together as a group with the offensive skill guys and continuing to develop their, you know, the chemistry and the camaraderie that they have as a group. And I think it's going to carry over into the building. And we had a chance to see him throw this morning a little bit, which was great. And the, the guys who are back in the building since Monday. So really looking forward to, to getting all these guys together with the additions that we make from the draft as well. And then genuinely the very last one, I promise, as I've taken plenty of your time, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot, Rex. We love the stories of the draft. I'm sure they do in the States, but here in the UK, when you get to tell those real tales of somebody who has just emerged from nowhere and, and really impressed, when you look back over your career and being in those rooms and guys you've banged the table for, is there somebody who stands out that you think to yourself, yes, I nailed that one and what a great guy they turned out to be? Yeah, you know, I, I can't think of any like specific player will with that. Um, because it's, it's been a lengthy career of, of like 17 players and 17 drafts, right? But, but what I can tell you is any call that you get to make when you're on the phone and you get to deliver the news that we're drafting you with the New York Jets, that moment of being able to provide that guy's, to, for him and his family, that he's chased a lifelong dream. And that's the, the realization of them for them. There's a lot of emotion that goes into it from celebration, from the whole room. It depends on the setting that they're in there. Some guys are, are in a, like rented out a, a restaurant and there, there could be several hundred people. There could be, it could range from a guy who's sitting in his living room with his, just his mom, dad, and a few family members. But the emotion that pours out of them, whether it's the, tears of joy or the shouts from the mom in the background and just what you see, how they, they hug and the ESPN coverage that, or the NFL network coverage that they might show behind the scenes. It's, it's unbelievable to be able to give that a guy that opportunity uh, for his life and for his future and for his family of what he's worked for. So it's really cool from that regard. It's, it sounds it. And it's the thing that we love to see uh, on draft night. And, you know, we get into guys as well as people who watch it. And yeah. that's saying when we see someone that we like land somewhere, we want them to end up. But, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. So uh, I'm yeah, glad it's you still. It's reality TV at its finest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that after 17 years, you're still taking that level of joy as well, Rex. That's Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, speak again soon. Well, sounds good. Thanks. Appreciate it.